Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. I just want to remind people that there's enough for everybody in the house. There's enough for everybody in the house. I, I, I think that's one of the miracles of that story is like as many vessels as there are, God has enough oil. They, uh, uh, they used to sing a song in church. I mentioned it in the first service. They used to sing a song in church that said, um, there's room at the cross for you. Even though millions have come, there's still room for one more. And I feel that way in the house today. There's been people that have been healed, saved, delivered. But that doesn't mean they took your blessing. I guess I just need to stay there for a second. I think sometimes church folks can get jealous, Destry. I don't know. Destry drives a truck, right? I could say, Lord, you gave Destry my truck. I want to drive a nice truck like that. But you know what, Destry? Our Father in heaven, he's got the cattle on a thousand hills. So he's got a blessing for you. He's got a blessing for me. I don't know. That was just for free. I'm sorry. Let me go to Philippians 1 and 6. Uh, I'm going to continue this message series um, and uh, that God's not through. How many know that's good news? God's not through. Where you are right now is not where God is taking you. What God is doing right now, he's not done. Let me see that verse there, Philippians 1 and 6. It says that being confident of this. This means we ought to be confident of this. God's people ought to be confident of this. That he, let's read it together because I feel like there'll be more confidence when we read it together. He who, he who, let me hear everybody, I got five or six. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That means that what God has started, he's going to finish before he returns. Um, And I I just want to say this. I I, I said this last week. I'm probably going to say it every time. God is a God of re... And I'll make that make sense. He's a God of redemption. He's a God of resurrection. He's a God we saw last week with Job. How many remember God's a God of restoration? He's a God of revival, Vanessa. He's a God of refreshing, recovery, repentance. I like this. I feel like I'm in a live church right now. Reconciliation, revelation. He's a God that's returning for us. He's a soon returning king. So he's not through. And I love this psalm from last week. I remain confident. I've seen that twice now. I'm confident. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. See, because I, I think sometimes, I think sometimes our faith is like Martha's. She said, Yeah, Lord, I know that I know that Lazarus is going to live again in the resurrection. And so we say, Yes, I know. New Jerusalem, I know streets of gold, I know Jesus is preparing a place, I know 
walls of jasper, gates of pearl. I know that. But David says, I'm confident we're still going to see God's goodness on this side of eternity. And I want to declare that in the house today. Yes, salvation is waiting. Redemption is ours. But God is good right here and right now. All right, last verse. I've been having you stand too long. David strengthened himself. Everybody say he strengthened himself. It's the last line. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And this is what I want to preach from today. Then David said to the priest, bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar, the the priest, he brought the ephod to David. This was a garment that you would praise God with. We'll get to it. So David inquired of the Lord. He said, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, pursue. You'll surely overtake them. And without fail, you will recover. God's a God of recovery. So I want to tell somebody in the house today, God's not through. He is recovering something for you. He's bringing recovery inside your life, recovery inside your heart. How many say amen? Turn to somebody say, God bless you. Turn to somebody else say, you look great. Be glad you're in the house. All that good stuff. I hope that wasn't awkward with whoever. I don't know who you're sitting by. God bless you. I'm so happy to be in the house today. It's a great crowd, great crowd. We had a great response to the word in the first service, good crowd in the first service. I feel like people got out of the hurricane stuff, and I think people in Florida always get sick as the weather turns. I had a bunch of folks the last few weeks tell me they were sick and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm glad you're back, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. I don't take it for granted. I'm glad to be in God's house today. I'm already at 34 seconds. I better jump in. In this passage, David has found himself in a tough situation. And the verses leading up, in fact, you may have noticed it on the screen, but I didn't read that whole long verse because y'all have been standing so long. David was greatly distressed because the people were talking about stoning him. They were, they were trying, they wanted to kill him. And David's in this place where he could have questioned, is God through? Is he not through? Is he going to finish what he started in me? Well, that was a song we used to sing, God's going to finish what he started in you. And David was anointed king. He was anointed to lead his people, God's people, but he was still in a waiting season. David was in between who he was, who he is, and who he's becoming. Now I'll tell you, everybody in this house is somewhere between who I was. How many say, thank God I'm not who I used to be? and who I am, and who God's making me. I remember in Philippians, it said that he's perfecting the saints. I'm on a process of sanctification. I'm on a process of God perfecting me. And so David, he's been anointed to be king, but he hasn't been appointed to be king. Because Saul is still king. Saul is still alive. Saul is still in power. So David has the anointing, but he doesn't have the appointing. And I think that's where a lot of life is lived. We are anointed for something before I'm appointed to it. I feel capable of it before I'm called to it. I'm anointed, but I'm not appointed. I've got this anointing to be king, but I don't have a kingdom. That's where David was. And I'll tell you, most people never walk in their appointing because they don't steward the anointing. I'll say it again because I I thought that was good. 
And I don't got nothing else. No, I'm just kidding. Sometimes we don't get to the appointing because we don't steward the anointing. And Jesus said, if you're faithful in little, I'll make you ruler over much. If I can trust you to mop the floor, I can trust you to manage the store. And, and, and you have to be anointed before you're appointed. And we have, to, we have to steward big in a small place. We have to be really trustworthy in a small thing. We got to learn how to be big in a small thing. We've got to pray big in a little situation, believe big even in a small situation, be really faithful even though it's small. And, and, and even though sometimes that situation feels smaller than you, knowing that God's not through and where I am is not where God is leading me. But if I'm faithful right here, God will lead me there and there and there. I remember when I was young in ministry, um, a pastor gave me an opportunity to uh, come to this church, in fact, and he preceded me here, and he just invited me to come do whatever, and you know, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'd like to get out of Indiana, I'll move there. So I, I moved there, and I thought, you know, is he going to ask me to preach? Is he going to ask me to do a baptism service, or God's going to just do all these great things, you know? And so I show up. My first ministry appointment was... Um, come to church two hours early and turn the thermostats on. And I thought, Pastor, I'll buy some timer thermostats. They had, I'm not that old. They had those back then. But we had, on the walls here, we had these Honeywell, you know what I'm talking about? This, this crowd too young. The first service knew exactly what I was talking about. You know, on the, the, the wood paneling, they, you know, the, the Honeywell dial-in things. So my job was to come to church like two hours early and crank that AC down from 80 to 70. And I remember thinking, Lord, you calling me to the thermostat ministry here? You calling me to the AC ministry here? But I'll tell you, that's how God works. And there was a blessing in it because what I didn't realize is I was getting to know all the church folks. When people would come early, I would get to talk to them, get to mix with them. And God was working in the small thing. And I'll tell you, just like the prophet said, don't despise a humble beginning because it's just the beginning. It's just the foundation of what God is doing. And if you can be faithful in the little, God will lead you to the much. But I've got to steward the anointing before I get to the appointing. And if I can be faithful here, there's no telling what God can take me to. I want to remind somebody God is not through. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Jesus even demonstrated this on his last night on earth. He could have said, gather the 5,000. I want to do a big going away sermon, a big going away address. Jesus could have said, this is my last night before my betrayal. I want to do one final miracle service or healing service. But how many know that's not what Jesus did? He washed the disciples' feet. Jesus told a story about sitting at the foot of the table. And let somebody invite you to the head of the table or the VIP area. Jesus said, if you're faithful in little, that God will make you ruler over much. 
Jesus knew that he was going to be exalted on the other side of the cross. But in the middle, he had to be obedient to the plan of Calvary. He knew that he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And Jesus knew, if I'm just faithful to the plan, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. But how many know in the garden, it's tough? In the middle, it's hard. There's a temptation. There's an attack. And Jesus was praying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And I'll tell you, for all of us, Sometimes right on the verge of that breakthrough, there's a garden moment and you want to give up. You want to throw in the towel because that's when the enemy is coming to against you, hoping to stop you before God does all the things that God has led you to. I just want to remind somebody, don't give up in the middle. God is not through yet. God is still at work in your situation. I feel like I need a little traction in the house today. I'll say something I said last week. Don't judge that pot on the potter's wheel before he's done with the pot. Sometimes it looks like a lump of clay, and you're saying, is that a vase, a bowl, a cup, a tray, a plate? I don't know, but just trust the master. He knows what he's doing. He does all things well. Someday you're going to be on the other side and look back and say, God does all things well. How many say amen? Amen. God's not through. You know, they, uh, in that moment, Judas defected. There was loss. There was attack. Peter went back to his fishing business. But God was finishing. But don't judge it in the middle. Don't judge it in the middle. The preacher said, we're, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Friday, hell thought he won a great victory. Sunday, we realized Jesus had the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Don't judge the thing in the middle. God does all things well. How many said amen? So I didn't read it, but in context, David finds himself with 600 of his men. And they had actually just won a great victory. And now they're coming back home to their city of Ziklag. And when they get there, the Bible says that the enemy had come in, burned down the city, and kidnapped their wives, kidnapped their sons, and their daughters. David needs victories on the way to the throne, but now he's experiencing this terrible loss, and he's got pressure from every front, and now the people are beginning to question and saying, does David really have an anointing on his life? Is David really capable of being our king? And I just want to say today, maybe you're in the middle and you're, and you're looking around and wondering, Lord, I, don't, I thought that it was going to be this, 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 and connecting all the dots, and I didn't know about this zigzag, and I didn't know about this detour. I just want to remind you, don't give up in the middle. God is a God of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, from A to Z, heart. I don't know all the Greek alphabet, but he's the Alpha and the Omega. So I'll just say it in the English. He's the A and the Z. That means he's L-M-N-O-P. God is not just the same yesterday and forever. He's the same today. God is here. God is at work. God is on the throne. And he's working in the middle of your thing. I just want to give you, I want to give you three powerful things from the text today, and they are simple, but I'll tell you that progression of it here is so powerful. How many preach with me if I jump into it? 
All right, I got a couple. I just need a couple. (laughs) Here's what it said in the back half of verse 6. It said that David strengthened. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I've heard this preached all my life. In the King James, it said that he encouraged himself in the Lord. How many know there's sometimes you've got to encourage yourself? When there's nobody else around, sometimes you've got to encourage yourself. I've heard it preached that way all my life, and it's true. But this Hebrew word, hazak, it's, it's translated strengthened himself in this passage. It's the same Hebrew word. This Hebrew word is actually translated taking hold of or grabbing a hold more times than anything else, more times than encouraged or more times than strengthened. It says that it could have been translated that David held on to the Lord, his God. And that's why I want to say today, hold on. Hold on to God. The idea there is that when he held on to God, there was a transfer of strength. When he held on to God, there was a transfer of courage. And I think in the middle of the thing, in the time of loss, they just went through this battle and and their wives and their children are kidnapped. That's a time that a lot of people want to drift. They want to fall away. They want to run and hide. They want to disconnect. But David said, no, I'm going to hold on to God and that's how I'm going to renew my strength. And, And I'll just say this. Here's how you know you need to hold on is when you want to let go. Let me say that again. Is I, that didn't go over well the first time in the first service either. Sometimes is the I get to practice on the nine, you know, and then I, the eleven is just smooth sailing. I'm gonna try that over here. So a lot of times when you when you want to let go, that's when you need to hang on. When you don't want to pray, that's when you really need to pray. When you don't want to sing, that's when you need to sing. When you don't feel like worshiping, that's when you need to worship. When you don't want to come to the house of God, that's when you need to be in the house of God. When you don't want to lift your hands, I tell you, that's when you ought to lift your hands. When you don't want to jump, shout, sing, praise, that's when you ought to do all of it. When you want to let go, that's when you should hold on because that's what the enemy wants you to do. And David had this terrible loss, and he realized the way to get my strength back is to hold on to God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so when you suffer that struggle, that setback, that loss, a bad week, I have people every week, the podcast is off, Valerie hates when I say that. I have people every week, and I'll text them, hey brother, just checking in. Love you. Just want to check in on you and the family. It was a bad week. I'm sorry. I, I, it's a bad week. I always say, bad week is the best week to be in the house of God. A bad week is the best week to get into a prayer closet. A bad week is the best week to crank up that worship music. A bad day is the best day to get into the presence of God because David's instinct was and ours should be the same, that I am recharging my strength 
and my source is the Lord. I'm recharging my courage and Jesus is the source of my encouragement. And my instinct ought to be if I could just get alone with God, if I could just get in that God's presence, if I could just get in God's house, if I could just get into a prayer closet, I know that my strength will be renewed. I see Kendall. I'm not trying to embarrass Kendall on the front row right here. We were in Next Steps the other week, and I haven't even told Kendall this, but it blessed me. We were talking about kind of worship and this kind of thing, and I was saying sometimes at work, you just got to shut your office door, right, and just, you know what I'm talking about? Can you still do that? Like, and I'm I like take the phone off the hook. Like, tell I don't know. Tell somebody. Tell the front office I'm not available. Crank up the worship music. Kendall told me she wished she had some AirPods to just keep one in and just be listening to worship music. And I loved that because you know boss is saying this. I got. <laughs> what did we just sing? This mountain shake before boss is just. The demons run and flee <laughs> at the name King of Men. And I just love that, Kendall. I'm sorry. But you know what? Sometimes that's how I renew my strength is just to get alone with God, get a worship song in my spirit. You know, I think that sometimes we want, I, I think this is our tendency sometimes, we want everything to work out fine and good and then we draw strength from the fact that everything is okay now. But that's actually the opposite of how it works. If ex- we think if the external is good, then the internal will follow. Okay, everything's good. My bank account's good. My job's good. My family's good. So now that will change the inner me. But it never works that way. It actually starts on the inside That verse we read about Philippians where Paul was saying, God's going to finish what he started in you. He wrote that from a jail cell. He said he had joy in a prison because it's not about what's outside. It's about what's inside. And I'll tell you, you can have joy in the middle of a prison, joy in the middle of a pit, joy in the middle of a storm, peace in the middle of a storm. And, and, it, and, it, and if I get, that's what David understood. Before I recover everything, I'm going to get recovery inside. And then I'll get recovery outside. You with me? I feel like you don't believe me, so I'm going to show you a Bible verse. Proverbs 4 and 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I remember the King James said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. So the reason, the reason, here's how that works. If you're in a discouraging situation and you have discouragement in here, all you're bringing is discouragement to it. If it's an unhealthy situation and I'm unhealthy, all I'm bringing is unhealthy into unhealthy But if I encourage myself in the Lord, I'm bringing encouragement into a discouraging thing. I'm bringing what God said into this situation. I'm bringing God's heart, God's joy, God's peace, God's promise, God's favor, God's blessing. That will change a situation. I feel like somebody ought to get it today. That's what Valerie was talking about. Get the spirit inside of you and it will flow. 
Everything flows from there. Get your heart right. So, it, it, you know, I'll just say it this way. If you're not healthy, you'll bring unhealthy into the situation. And so God wants you to get right because if not, you'll take a healthy situation and you'll bring unhealthy into it because we're contagious. Then we learned that the last couple years, right? Faith is contagious. Doubt is contagious. Jesus said, get the unbelievers out of the house because I can't even do the miracle until we get doubt out of the house. Doubt is contagious. Get the doubt out of the house. Faith is contagious. Doubt is contagious. Fear is contagious. Faith is contagious. Worry is contagious. Joy is contagious. Petty is contagious. Love is contagious. Criticism is contagious. Joy is contagious. Gossip is contagious. Well, I heard this too. Right? Speaking hope is contagious. Speaking death is contagious. Speaking life is contagious. Proverbs 18 said the power of life and death is in the tongue. So if we know that the proverb is proven true above everything else, before I get recovery on the outside, I've got to get recovery on the inside. Above everything else, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. So David said, before I can recover the loss, I've got to recover. And that's what I want to say to you today. Sometimes before God is going to do it out there, He's asking you, get to an altar. Get forgiveness. Get bitterness out of your life. Get it under the blood. Repent of the sin. Wash it away. And then watch what God will do on the outside. Hold on to God when you want to let go. Get the recovery you need on the outside, and then you'll actually be patient with God's timing on the outside. If you get contentment on the inside, you can wait for the blessing on the outside. You with me? Let me break that down. If you get contentment on the inside and say, Lord, I'm thankful. We got a roof over our head. It's not where I, I'm here not through. It's not where I want to be, but I got food in my pantry. We got a roof over our head. I'm content on the inside. So now I'm patient for the promotion. I'm patient for the blessing. I could be in a storm and Jesus can speak calm to you right now. Child, be still. Be calm. And I can be patient for the storm to calm because Jesus already gave me peace in the middle of my storm. That's what David understood. I'm going to get strength from God right now. I'm going to get recovery right now. And God will recover everything else in his timing. But I'm going to hold to him. How many said amen? I love what Jacob said. Jacob, on that night, he wrestled with God and he would not let go. You know that, Genesis 32? God, Jacob said, God, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm going to hold on through the pain. I'm going to hold on through the night. And I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until I recover from this loss. I'm not letting go until I get the deliverance. 
Somebody in the house today ought to get that spirit of Jacob on them before they leave this place and say, God, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until you heal me. I'm not letting go until something changes in me. I'm not letting go. Come on, somebody ought to receive that in the house. I'm not letting go. You know, I I think sometimes you just got to hold on to a Bible verse. I say it a lot. All you need is one word from God. All you need is one word. All you need is one word. Sometimes sometimes there will be a there will be a verse that will speak to your situation. I think somebody in the house today ought to, but before they go home, they ought to write Philippians 1 and 6 on a post-it note and put it in their dashboard, write it on your hand, I don't know. Philippians 1 and 6, God's going to finish what he started in me. Maybe somebody ought to just quote it till they memorize it, like David said, thank you, Carlin, like David said, I'm going to see the good, because I know I misquoted that. <laughs> The King James is in my head, but I'll say this one. He who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Somebody ought to get Psalm 27 and 3 in their, in their spirit. I, I, am a, no, I remain confident of this. I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I've wrote Bible verses and scripture on a post-it note and just left it on my dashboard, left it on my desk, put it in my Bible until it got down deep in my spirit. And I'll tell you, sometimes you need to hold on to that word because everything you're seeing doesn't say that. I'm not seeing goodness. I'm seeing setback. I'm seeing struggle. But I'm confident of this. I'll see the goodness of God while I'm still alive. I'll see the blessing of God while I'm still alive. Somebody ought to hold on to that verse. You know, sometimes you just got to hold on to a worship song, Kendall. I'm going to stop singling Kendall out. She's going to be upset with me. She's never going to sit on the front row anymore. I'm sorry. It's what is dangerous to sit on the front row. We had somebody's first time in service today sit on the front row in the nine. I loved it. I told her, you're just jumping in the deep end of the pool. Let's go. Where was I? Sometimes you got to hang on to a song. You ever just got a worship song in your spirit? And you just play it on repeat? And you just play and and you just quote it and quote it and sing it and sing it and you know every lyric and you get goosebumps every time you play it. Your spirit raises every time you play it. You're ready to just storm hell every time. The mountains shake before him. The demons run and flee at the mention of the name King of Majesty. And you just... yeah. You got to hold on to that song. Put it on repeat. Play it every morning. Play it every evening. Play it all the time. Get that song in your spirit. I told Destry, I said, Destry will text me songs from the 90s. And I text, I try to keep up with him and text him back. But we had one going this week that was great. It was um, Peter and John were racing to the tomb to verify the news. I'll try to sing this. I feel comfortable in the 11. Their world had already been shattered. They got nothing else to lose. John was the first to arrive on the scene. Peter came dancing in. But the only thing they found was a pile of grave clothes where Jesus Christ has been. He is risen. He is risen. Yeah, that's a good song right there. That's like 25 years old too. 
sometimes you got to get that word in you. You got to get that song in your spirit. There's an anointing in that, and you hold to that till you get through that season. I am holding till you, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until I get out of this thing. I'm not letting go until I get on the other side because God is not through. How many said amen to that? Sometimes you got to hold on to a godly brother or sister. David had a lot of people talking against him. You know, people can be crazy sometimes. I thought I'd get a big, I got a big amen in the first service on that one. You know, people can be crazy sometimes. Literally yesterday, they're saying, David, you're our king, you're anointed, we love you, you need to take Saul's throne. Literally the next day, they're saying, we want to stone you, we want to kill you. And you know what? Life can be that way. So David goes and finds a godly man, a priest in verse 7, and says, hey, I need some worship time. Everybody else is against me. I want to tell you, you need some godly people in your life who will worship with you, pray with you, believe with you, fast with you, speak life to you, speak faith to you. I tell you, you also got to hold on to God's promises. It's interesting to me that the Amalekites merely kidnapped the families because this was a barbaric time. The usual thing that they would have done is they would have burned the city down and destroyed everyone and everything, but they didn't do that. They just kidnapped them. And I thought about how in John 10 and 10, it says that the thief came to steal, to kill, and to destroy and I think it's possible for God's people to get content with the fact that the devil hasn't killed me or destroyed me, but he just stole from me. And Romans says it's possible for sin to be pleasurable for a season, but it will end in death. So there's this area in the bell curve where it's tolerable because sin has stolen some things from me, but it hasn't destroyed me yet. You still with me? Sin has stolen some things from The enemy has stolen some things from me, but hasn't killed me yet. And God's people can settle for letting the enemy steal from us. I'm not destroyed, but I lost my joy. I'm not destroyed, but I lost my peace. David could have said, well, we, we're not destroyed, but we lost our wives and kids, and so many of God's people sit on a pew week after week, and I'm not destroyed, but I lost my peace. I'm not destroyed, but I lost my blessing from God. I'm still saved, but I lost my praise, lost my fire, lost my passion, lost my anointing. I'm still here, but I'm empty inside. I'm still here, but I can't even lift my hands. I can't sing a worship song. I can't lift my voice in praise. I'm, I'm still here, but I'm just going through the motions. And I'll tell you, God's people should not settle for the enemy taking anything from us. God's people ought to get fed up with it. And like that proverb said, if you catch a thief, you are entitled to take seven times back from the thief. God's people ought to say, I want it all back. I want my joy back. I want my fire back. I want my passion back. I want my family back. Somebody ought to help me in the house. I want salvation back. I want my fire back, my anointing back. 
Somebody ought to get their prayer language back. Somebody ought to get their passion back. Somebody ought to get excitement back, joy back, peace back, a relationship back. I don't know what the enemy took from you, but you got to get it back. Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. I'm not going to let him steal from me. Because here's the thing. He will bleed you out to where there's no will to fight. He'll bleed you out to where you have no strength to lift your voice. You're easy prey at that point. It's easy to kill and destroy now because you lost your will to pray. You lost your prayer language. You lost your praise. You lost your worship. You lost your desire to be in God's house. You cannot be comfortable with the enemy taking anything from you You ought to say, he's not stealing a thing, but I'm going to recover it all. And before I leave this house today, I'm recovering everything that the enemy has taken from me. I want joy back, passion back, fire back, anointing back. I want it back today. How many said amen? You know, um, the second thing I want to say is that that he got his strength back. And I'm going to go quick for these last two points. He got his strength back. But how many know after you get your strength, now I've got to get direction. So he got strength from holding on to God. And now I've got to get direction. And I want to tell you, direction comes from the altar. You know, I I give an altar call every Sunday because I believe it's important when we preach about, hey, God can forgive you. I don't want to just tell you, hey, God can forgive you and save you. God bless you. Have a great week. (laughs) All right, I'm out. I want to say, God can save you. God can forgive you. Let's give space and time for God to do it. If I preach about healing, I don't want to just say, God can heal you. All right, great. Go have good lunch. What's in the crock pot? God bless you. Danny, have a great day. Right? You with me? I want to give an opportunity. If I say God can be your counselor, your shepherd, he can give you guidance, he can give you healing, he can give you blessing, but it comes from the altar. And David understood this. So David said to Abiathar the priest, the high priest he was, that's important, it's in verse 7, he said, please bring the ephod here to me. This was a praise garment. And Abiathar the high priest brought the ephod, everybody say the ephod, It's not a ephod or an ephod. It's the ephod. And so David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? He's trying to get direction. Shall I overtake them? Here's what you have to understand. There were multiple ephods. These were praise garments that the priests wore. But he said he wanted the ephod. So there were common ephods, and then there was the high priest's ephod. He was not asking for the common linen white ephod that just any priest would wear. Most scholars, in fact, almost all scholars agree, because David was talking to the high priest, Abiathar, he was asking for Abiathar's priestly garment. This was the ephod, not just any ephod. It was the ephod that came down from Aaron. It had colors and precious stones, and it was, it was this whole thing. And David really wasn't supposed to wear this praise garment. But it seems like because David had a heart after God's heart, that God allowed him to do some things like this. And maybe because the Messiah would come from the line of David, God allowed David to really just kind of be a picture of the new covenant. 
And so David did some things that, that really was reserved for priests. David ate from the table of showbread. And, and really, this was a picture of Jesus uh, and the new covenant, that Jesus would be the bread of life and that his body would be broken, but that anybody would be able to receive it. I remember that David, he lifted up the flaps of the ta- He ordered the flaps to be lifted up in the tabernacle tent. And, and this, was, this was a foreshadowing of what would happen when the veil was torn. You still with me? From the top to the bottom giving us access to the throne of grace. And he would even allow the Gentiles to worship around the ark, showing that someday this wasn't just going to be for the Jewish people in Abraham's line, but that it was going to be for everybody. And so David asked for that priestly garment in verse 7, and it was a foreshadowing that we are a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation. And so David said, bring me the ephod, talking to the high priest, he was saying, I want the one you wear, not the plain white one that just any priest wears. I want the one that came down from Aaron with all the precious stones and all the colors. And you might be asking, why is that significant? It's big because David was asking for the one that the high priest wore when he went in before the altar in the Holy of Holies, before the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God, sprinkling the, altar from that, sprinkling the blood on the altar from that spotless lamb on the Day of Atonement. And David was saying, I want to get in the presence of God. I want to get as close to the altar as possible. And David said, bring me that ephod. I'll tell you that David, in that moment, got the strength that he needed, and he got the direction that he needed. I've preached this a lot of times, so I won't stay there, but I love that Solomon named the two columns at the entrance of the temple. Uh, One was Boaz, and the other was Jachin. Boaz was our strength, and Jachin is our direction. So strength, I love that, strength and direction were the two pillars of that temple. And if we believe that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we ought to believe that every time we come into this house, we can get strength for our journey and direction for our journey. People of God ought to get strength in the house of God. And I tell you, when our strength begins to fade, hold on to the house of God. When direction becomes unclear, get into the altar. Because strength and direction come from the house of God. Here's what I love in verse 8. It said, David inquired of the Lord, saying. It means he lifted up his voice. He was talking it out. I think there's something powerful in that. You know, sometimes we ought to just lift our voice and say, God, what should I do? Where should I go? What do you need me to do? What, what, what would you have for me to do? He was talking to the Lord. When I give an altar call in just a few minutes, I, I want this altar to just fill with people talking to the Lord, lifting our voice, saying, Lord, I've come to praise you. I believe I'm getting strength in this house. I need direction for my family. I need direction for my journey. And what I, what I wanted to say was, and this is what I love, and this is what I want to preach before the music comes. This is so powerful. David did not ask for a sword. 
He did not. Ask, he could have got Goliath's sword. He still had that. He didn't ask for Goliath's sword. He did not ask for a shield, and he did not ask for a slingshot. He said, "Bring me the garment of praise," because David knew there is a natural battle that I need to fight. And I'll get the sword eventually, and I'll get the slingshot too, and we'll get the shield and all that. But I'm not starting there. I'm starting this battle in the supernatural. Because if I win this battle in the supernatural, the natural battle is going to be, God is going to win that for me. And I just tell God's people today, that's why I start my battle with praise. I start my battle with worship. I start my battle with prayer. I don't start my battle in the natural, but I get the victory in the supernatural, and the victory follows. How many said amen? Music come. I got to close today. You know, I, I, I love what the Lord actually responded and gave. The, I love the word that, that God gave to him here. He says, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. I'm in verse 8 there, Carlins. You'll recover all. So he says, shall I pursue? And here's what the Lord says. He says, pursue. Pursue. And it's God's job to recover everything else. It's my job to pursue. So here's what I want to tell you today. I don't know what recovery looks like for you. But I know your job is to pursue. Pursue Him. Run after Him. Pursue His ways. Pursue, his, his, pursue Him in prayer. Pursue Him with the Word. Pursue Him in worship. The Bible says if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Jesus told that great story of the prodigal son running home to the father and the father saw him a ways off and as the son was running to the house, the father kicks his shoes off and runs toward the son. I'll tell you, when you run to him, he runs to you. If you draw near to him, he draws near to you. If you pursue him, he'll pursue you. I don't know what recovery looks like for you, but I know God's instruction is for you to pursue. And so, I'm going to pursue God's favor. I'm going to pursue God's blessing. But I'm going to let God define it. I'm going to pursue the victory, but I'm going to let God win it. I'm going to pursue the blessing, but I'm going to let God define it. And here's what I want to say. Oftentimes, we forget that He's the God that does exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond what I can even ask or think. So I'm just going to pursue Him and let Him bring the blessing. Stand with me today. I'm closing. So I don't know what recovery looks like for you in this new season. I don't know what recovery looks like for you after this sickness. I I don't know what recovery looks like for you after that setback, but I'm just believing God for recovery. I'm believing God will fight my battle. And I think sometimes we miss what God is really going to do because we're thinking in the possible and God's working in the impossible. I didn't even get to do this in the first service because 
there was just an anointing on the house and people were coming to the altar. But I'll tell you the end of the story. It's in verse 17. David attacked them from twilight until the evening. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 that rode away on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. David rescued his wives. None of the, nothing of theirs was lacking, not small or great, son, daughter, spoil, or anything they had taken from them. See it a second time. David recovered all. Verse 20 said that David took the flocks and the herds that they had driven their livestock out with, meaning they were on, they were on horses or whatever and they were driving their livestock out. David took that back from them and said, this is ours now. What I want to tell you is when you recover what the enemy stole, there's a great victory, there's an overflow, there are spoils that you never even had to begin with. I wonder if you just close, close your eyes, bow your heads all over this house. I want to give an altar call today and just say, Lord, I don't know what recovery looks like for this house or for these people in this house today, but God, I just believe there's people right now that will pursue you and believe for recovery right now in Jesus' name. I want to open this altar. I wonder how many would come and just find a place to pray and just say, Lord, I need a recovery right now. I need a new strength. I need a blessing. I need you to just pour out a new strength on me today, God. In Jesus' name, let it be done. Let it be done. Let it be done. You are Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.